Welcome to Makers Chat, a podcast community for creatives. I'm your host, Danielle Kaminsky, artist, maker, and educator from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Join me as we share our stories and explore the topics that are most important to creative entrepreneurs and makers. Oh my goodness. I honestly wish I hadn't given up caffeine. Today is one of those days. <laughs> How long have you been without caffeine? Um, I think I'm on my third year now, so two full years. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, it's been five minutes without caffeine. <laughs> I was addicted, and then I got some advice from my doctor who was like, Maybe you need to cool it on the caffeine, and it made a big difference in my life. But there are some days I wake up and I'm like, You know what would be really nice right now? <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> well, tell everybody um, a little more about who you are, where you're from, and, and what you do with Mom Trevor Creative. Awesome. So I am a copywriter and marketing strategist for creatives who are launching their offers, courses, and coaching programs. So I work specifically with artists and creatives who want to reach a wider audience, want to offer new um, higher ticket offers, want to launch something to help them sort of brand themselves as an expert in their field. Um, And my goal is to always do two things. I always want to make sure that creatives are getting paid what they're worth, and I want to make sure that they're reaching the right audience. So I love what I do. I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, I've been working from home as a copywriter for, gosh, this will be my fourth year. Um, It started as a way for me to not have to work for somebody else. Uh, I'm not great at having a boss. Um, and I just wanted a way to be home with my kids. So I started out as a VA and quickly realized that I had a knack for coffee and it's grown since then. That's awesome. That's awesome. And we're definitely going to circle back around to that because we want to be talking about value and making sure that we're valuing our work correctly and valuing our time correctly. But, um, let's also kind of circle around to what about your, you've got a creative business as well, though. You're an artist. Well, I am an artist. I don't actually sell any of my art. It's all for really? me. Very, it's all very for selfish. You. Um, I keep it all for me. I give it away to friends. It's a way for me to um, feel like, you know, I love writing, right? I, I'm mm-hmm. writing a novel for fun and I write for work, obviously. But sometimes when you charge for everything you do, it starts to feel like if you're not making money off it, it's not worth your time. So yeah. I've actually set aside my art to be something that I do that I won't monetize, that I okay. won't you know, make something that has to be a commodity just so I have something for me that I can like take a break from that mentality. And I honestly, I urge a lot of my clients to do the same, to find some creative pursuit or something that they love and keep it just for them. I understand that completely. Actually, these things that you see hanging on the wall behind me, I will never sell them. Those are the first weavings I did. And I still to this day will buy kits to create the round weavings. And I made a promise to myself a long time ago that those will always just be for me because like you said, when you try to monetize everything, it can take some of the fun out of it. Yeah, it can be honestly, like, especially for entrepreneurs, like hustle culture is basically, if you can make money off of it, then you better be making money off of it. And I think that that's so damaging for a lot of us who already are struggling with taking breaks. Um, And I think it's so important to prevent burnout that you take your breaks, that you enjoy a little bit of quiet time to yourself and that you don't worry so much about making sure that everybody approves of what you're doing. Just, you know, do it for you and enjoy it. So I have art all over my house that I've made and my daughters have made and yeah, I don't actually sell it. That's really cool. I didn't realize that you didn't sell it because you do sell it, not sell it, you show it on social media and it's beautiful. So I guess I always assumed that maybe you were selling it somewhere. 
but um but you do a great job i love your art i think it's oh, yeah beautiful. i i feel like we you and i see art and color the same way because even though i'm not like oh sorry there goes the camera even though i'm not weaving i feel like the way we interpret color and the way that we put it together is really similar because we both like you know a lot of texture a lot of layers a lot of crazy colors mixed together yes. as you can see from the rainbow on my wall behind me <laughs> i love it i love it so what is what is your favorite thing to do as it with with your copywriting with your clients like what is the thing that you do that you have the most fun with and probably as a result feel like it's what you're most known for i love launching like big courses and coaching programs um i love two parts of it i used to be a teacher so my background is in education i used to work as an educator and i love like setting up and scaffolding lessons and learning environments i think it's so powerful to understand how to present information to people and do it in a way that allows them to get the most from it and build off of it for each subject. So I love doing that for me just selfishly, but I also love helping my clients recognize that they are the experts because a lot of times creatives that I work with will know that they want to launch a coaching program or courses. They know that they have the information, but then when it comes to charging for it, they get a little uncomfortable and they start to worry that maybe they're not the experts that they thought they were. And so my job is a copywriter is to literally like, hey, we have to put this on paper. So I'm going to need you to spit it out right now and say, I am an expert and tell me why so that I can translate that to your customers and help them recognize what you're doing and why you're the right person for them to work with. And that is so fun for me. Like, I'm not a mindset coach professionally. I don't have any interest in actually coaching people, but I love doing that little bit of like pricing coaching through helping people establish their offers. Yeah. Cat scratching at the door. She's a little codependent. <laughs> Most cats are, right? Well, no, I guess not. Most cats aren't. I've been around a lot of cats that are though, so I totally get it. So circling back to that, why do you do you why do you think it is that most creatives have a hard time charging for their time? I think our society has become so capitalistic that it's essentially gotten to a point where if you don't produce a commodity that can be turned into, you know, something mass produced or make you a millionaire, then your business isn't worth it. And while I don't subscribe to that, I think a lot of entrepreneurs do. And we kind of exist in a world where like we look down on the arts unless you're super famous and rich from it. It's sort of like either be, you know, the absolute pinnacle of talent and wealth and fame or what you're doing is useless. And I think that's ridiculous. I think that art has existed as long as humans have been around. So the idea that it's not worth something to us is a joke. It's in, it's worth everything to us. I mean, look at the rate that we consume film and music and view art. And once creatives recognize that what they're providing isn't just art, it's not just something beautiful, it's actually a service to humanity. I think they start to recognize that, oh yeah, what I'm doing is super worth it. But it, it takes a lot of mindset work to get there when you've been told. I mean, I'm sure a lot of us growing up were told like, artist isn't a real job, like make sure you have a backup plan. Um, and I mean, I've been guilty of thinking that when I was younger, that's the whole reason I didn't go to school and get an English degree and become a writer. I was like, well, I better get a real job. Maybe I'll be a teacher. And it just as good as that was. And as much as I loved it, my heart said, you need to find a way to be creative because you're not being fulfilled right now. And I started out and I was charging like pennies 
per per word. And I'm a good writer. So that was ridiculous. And at some point I realized like people need art, people need creativity. They will pay a lot of money for it. So why don't I make that my mission? Why don't I make sure that every creative I know gets access to that money and gets access to that success that they have worked for and deserve? Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yes, because you were 100 percent right. I know like for, for me personally, even it took a long time to decide to do something. And then even when I did. So when I first created Maker's Mill, which is my course last year and the first time that we launched it and everything like I knew it was good. But telling people that I'm charging for this thing that I made was really hard for me. And it took a lot of encouragement from from other creatives. And um, at the time I was well and still I, I study under Courtney Foster Donahue and she has a course called The Course Course. And she basically speaks to the mindset and that kind of thing about putting putting what you know out there because it is a service for people. You are saving them time. You are giving them value. It's a good thing. Um, and just that whole, I don't know, it was it was certainly a process. So I can only imagine working with creatives at large, how much of that you must see. But I think you hit the nail on the head there. That was awesome. Thanks. So before we go a little bit more into value, I do just want to say like right off the bat, because I know that, you know, can you tell our listeners what your Enneagram type is <laughs> and, how, um, and how you think that that plays into your work? Um, so I'm an Enneagram type four, um, and I honestly think it's a superpower. I, I feel like fours get a bad rap, um, but what a four thing to say, right? Uh, I really love being a four. I love being sensitive. I love being moody. I love tapping into that part of myself because I think that that's something that people tend not to do. We put on, especially with social media now, we're so good at putting on that like professional, like social media persona. And then we go to work and we have our work persona. And at no point do we really ever take time to just be wholly ourselves unless we're pushed to. Um, and so I like to push people to do that. I like, I'm, I'm so a hundred percent myself. Like I might not be the best at everything, but I'm the best at being me. And I feel like that makes it easier for me to help other people find what is amazing about them and learn how to be the best version of themselves that they can. Yes. Oh, that, that resonates so strongly with me. This, the idea of, you know, you're always going to fail if you try to be somebody else. So you really do like, you just need to be the best you that you can possibly be, because that's the only thing you can really excel at you know, until you let go of all the other stuff that you're supposed to be. Absolutely. I got some advice once that was like, you're, you're going to fail. Like you're not perfect. Your body's not perfect. Your mind isn't perfect. So there's going to be times when you fail, whether it's at work or whether your body fails you and gets sick. So rather than trying to prevent it and spend all of your energy trying to always overcome your body or overcome your mental health or overcome the person that you are, lean into it and love yourself more and because when you love yourself you take care of yourself and that in turn allows you to be the best version of yourself rather than fighting against your body when it's sick and trying to push through and work harder when you rest you get better faster and then you're able to go back to being yourself but i think so many of us are inclined to deny the way that our body and our emotions and our mind are, is telling us how to live our lives. I think it, at the heart, we all know how to be authentic, but it's scary when it's not the norm. 
Um, and I think when you learn to love yourself, you realize that there's so much more power in loving yourself flaws and all than there will ever be in trying to perfect yourself. That's so true. That is so true. So last week on the podcast, we talked about handmade pricing and how a lot of people think that it's different from other pricing, that there's special rules because it's handmade when really there's not. Value is value. Your time is worth what your time is worth. Materials are worth what they're worth. So there, there is a place for the same rules that apply to other industries to apply to handmade. I don't um, think there are rules pricing. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think we should ever limit to our, ourselves to what other people or the internet or even what our pricing guide says that we should charge. I think that what we offer is worth so much more than that. The way I recommend pricing is to reverse engineer it. What is your goal? At the end of the day, let's say you're going to launch an offer. This is where I get less mindset-y and more, <laughs> more businessy. Yeah. At the end of the day, when you're going to launch an offer, let's say you're going to launch just a course, just an online course. It's going to be hands-off. It's going to be a passive income. People will be able to download it and work through it on their own. You're going to launch a course. It's going to have four modules and it needs to be housed somewhere. You need to have an email sequence. You probably need to hire a copywriter to write it. You're going to have to pay for the equipment to record it and set it up. Add all that up. Set that aside and then say, what do I really want to earn? At the end of the day, what? how many of these things do I need to sell to earn what I want to earn? And that's how you price it. You just need to pick a number because it, it, there are going to be some things that paper says is going to be worth you know, this much money. And your gut is like, it's worth more than that. I know this is worth more than that. I know that the paper says, you know, based on my calculations of you know all the costs up front and how much time and blah, 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 I know it's worth more. Mm -hmm. then charge more because there's nobody that says you have to charge exactly what something is proposed to be worth. So pick your own rate, pick your own prices because your expertise, the emotion that you put into something, the energy that you put into something counts. It counts money wise, <laughs> like it literally counts. And it's so important to recognize that value too, not just the inherent value of the piece based on some calculations and shipping and all that, the value that you put into it and the energy and the love that you put into it as a person has value. That's why people are buying things from other people. If if it was all about what something costs, at the end of the day, you could probably go find some AI generated stuff and learn from that or find something from a big corporation and learn from that. But people are choosing to learn from creatives and work with creatives because they want the creative person there. They want that perspective. They want that point of view. They want that vision of the art and the business. And that's what they're paying for. So if your gut says, okay, on paper, it's supposed to be $200 for this course. I think it's worth $395. Then you definitely should be charging $395. I tell every creative I work with, probably within the first five minutes of them hiring me, that they need to double their rates because it's never enough. Yeah. And actually, I agree with everything you just said, especially when it comes to creating offers and that kind of thing. So last week, what we were actually talking about was handmade pricing, how to price handmade products that you're creating. Because what I have come up against in working with all the handmade vendors that I work with is that they get the material cost and then they pay themselves like minimum wage and they don't factor anything else into it. And that's it. So the, the method that I teach is the idea that, okay, there's, there's labor cost, there's material cost, 
and you have to double that to get wholesale and you have to double that again to get retail. And that gets them in the ballpark of what they need to be charging in order to make a profit. But then we also talk about the fact that, you know, once you get there, if you're selling at a decent rate, you should be upping your prices, you know, because that means that in the industry you're standing out. But no, 100 percent with what you're talking about with going with your gut about especially when it's a course or information or, or your time, even anything. even handmade. I think about Van Gogh. Van Gogh was poor. The man was a genius, brilliant painter, created some of the most incredible works of all time. And he was dirt poor because people wouldn't pay for his work and he wasn't charging for it. Imagine if that dude had waltzed in and had the gumption and was like, this is worth, I don't know how much things cost back then, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like to imagine like that we could have Van Gogh sitting around. And if we act like they're not, if we act like they're a craft or that they're like a kid's project that they put together. If you're calculating the cost based on how much it costs you to buy all of the things that went into your handmade product, then you are not valuing yourself as an artist. You're just valuing your work and who you are counts. It counts towards whatever money you're charging for your pieces. I think it's so important, especially for handmade works to be priced competitively and to have higher rates because when we price it based on the cost of materials, we are neglecting the artist. And if it's handmade, then it's art. Um, you've given me something to think about for sure, too, because like I said, the way that I, the way that I teach it, you do take all those things into account. And in my brain, then the multiplying takes care of getting me paid as an artist, because very often, even still with that formula, I'll come up with a price that I'm like, that might be a little high. But I think, then, but I then think, I'm like, but you know, and I, and I think about it. And then the more I think about it, I go, but no, that's what this needs to cost because of the hours, because of the materials, you know, all that kind of thing. And I go with it and it makes me more confident. Now that's not to say that if my stuff started selling like hotcakes that I wouldn't go ahead and raise those prices up a little more. Um, and I think, like I said, my experience with, for example, soap makers, candle makers, people who are making a product in a market that may be fairly saturated and they feel the need to compete. And especially when they're just starting out, they they want to be the best price out there. Right. And so they literally their brain goes to what is the what is the least that I can sell this for? And in their mind, they're thinking they're still going to make money. But but by the time you take in all the hours and the work that was done, you didn't. So. Yeah. So in my brain, I'm like, okay, well, if you can get people to follow this formula, then at least you've got them to the point to where they're not struggling or going in the hole anymore. They're at least making a profit. Absolutely. But then like beyond that, of course, once you get to that point, I think it's totally okay to go beyond that. Um, and and the, even that you should, especially once you get to a certain point, because I don't think anyone should, I don't think anyone should work harder than they want to either when uh -huh. you're, I mean, I don't I don't think you should have to like hustle to keep up with orders. If that's what's having to happen there, then your prices need to go up so that you can make the same amount of money, but work the amount of time you actually want to be working. Because it's like you said, the point for all of us creatives, none of us went into this because we wanted to be a slave to everyone around us. We wanted control over our schedules. We wanted flexibility. And if we build a thing that runs us ragged and burns us out, then we didn't succeed in that. And so that to me, that's kind of where you 
everything changes, right? I tell people all the time, you got to be open to change. You got to be open to pivoting into something else because if your day doesn't look like what you wanted it to look like anymore, you're not doing this for the same reasons that you started. I completely agree. I love a pricing guide because I feel like in the beginning, as a creative, you second guess yourself so much that that I think it really helps to have something that's on paper that you can't negotiate with. Like, nope, this is what I said I have to charge. This is it's on paper, and then people can't argue with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the problem is that when people keep that once they've internalized it, once you internalize the knowledge that you can charge whatever you want to charge for your work, that's when it's time to say, okay, I don't really need that pricing guide anymore. Maybe as like a foundation. But what really, the magic really happens when you internalize your worth as a creative. Absolutely. It's incredible starting this community and then the communities I've been able to plug into over the past couple of years, watching people grow into that and understanding what they're worth. It's just, I don't know, it's it's a really beautiful thing to watch <laughs> because people just, they change, you know? I mean, you literally watch them change and grow into this I personally have changed, honestly, since I, I've become such a more confident person, such a happier person, such a more understanding person since I've started my own business than I was before. And I think it's because I get to decide what I'm worth. I get to decide what I'm worth an hour of my time, my expertise. And in order to do that, I have to know myself really well. I have to value myself really well. And I'm not saying I wake up every morning and I'm like, I'm so amazing. I'm going to be a millionaire. No, not at all. I wake up every morning and I wish I could still drink coffee and I'm tired. And I remember that I forgot to do the rest of the dishes last night. So those are in my sink and I feel pretty crummy, but I have the tools now to remind myself that I am worth whatever I want to be worth. I have the tools now to remind myself that the only value that's ascribed to me is the value I ascribe myself. And that if it's up to me, I'm going to be worth everything. I'm going to be the person who loves me most because I'm all I've got at the end of the day. And that's, that's a choice that running a business gives you. It teaches you how as a creative, you, you have to kind of just tell people that your art is beautiful because People are really bad at judging for themselves when it's new and different. And you and I both understand that because you and I both have very unique art styles. So you kind of have to get that. It's not even a tough skin. You just have to not care anymore. Like water off the duck back, water off a duck's back. There we go. <laughs> yes. But you just have to stop caring and just say, I, I think I'm amazing. I think my art is beautiful. And I really, truly don't care what you think because that's, that's the way you keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. I have a really good example of that. So actually the day that we're recording this, this just happened yesterday and I found these chairs that I loved and I really wanted to have them recovered with cantha material with like the Indian cantha quilts. I had some of those that I had bought some to sort of fill the gap when shipping was delayed with, with all the pandemic issues and so I had these extra ones that weren't selling. They were a different brand and they just weren't selling as well because of the price point. And so I was like, you know what? I think instead of continuing to try to sell these or marking them down or whatever, I'm going to use these to recover some chairs. So my friend that that does some reupholstering work for me, she covered them. And, you know, at first everyone was just like, I mean, they were all just kind of in shock. They couldn't understand. And I'm like, you guys, it's going to be beautiful. I promise it's going to be beautiful. And then even when they were done, it was still like, well, they're funky. (laughs) 
they're funky. And I'm like, no, you did beautiful work. These colors are great. I'm so excited about it. I literally picked up one of those chairs, walked it out to the sales floor. Before I even had time to get the second chair, I had ladies looking at this chair and they were just, they were as obsessed as I was. And I mean, literally before there was even a price tag on the piece of furniture, one of them sold. So like, you just have to trust your gut. And yeah, you have to tell people this is going to work. I know this is going to work and it's okay that it's not going to be for everybody, but my customer is out there. And just that believing that and going with your gut. And that was a very confirming experience for me yesterday that yes, you just, you follow your instincts and you go with it because you know your customer and they're out there. You have to be your biggest cheerleader. You have to be like the one person who is always like, nope, you got this. Because honestly, when it comes to art, you're the only one who knows what you want to create. You're the only one with the vision. And so you just have to go into it supporting yourself 100% and trusting the process. Because if you don't, that's when things fall apart. That's when things don't work out. The second you second guess it and you try to meet people in the middle and you try to make it more palatable, that's when things don't work out the way you want them to. Absolutely. And I feel I feel the same way about business. I mean, so you and I are in a lot of groups together um, and I speak on mindset a lot. I speak on pricing a lot. I speak on like how important it is to focus on your mindset first because you're running a business. And I think that's the one thing like as, as esoteric and as love yourself as I sound right now, you've heard me when I lay it out, I am, it is all about the business. It is all about making decisions because yes, loving yourself, having that mindset is the most important foundation because without that, you're not going to have a business. It is so important for you to build a business that feels authentic to you, that meets your needs as a business owner and as a creative, that meets your financial needs, meets your emotional needs, satisfies you. And I know that it sounds like so, you know, millennial of me to say that it's important to have a business or a company or a job that is satisfying and fulfilling. But the fact is that if you want to make money at what you're doing, then it has to benefit you. You have to enjoy it because if you aren't making enough money or you're working too much or you're doing stuff that doesn't really feel fun, you're going to flame out. It's going to stop working for you. You're going to need to find a way to structure your business so that it suits you, who you are because otherwise, what's the point? Just go work for someone else then. 100%. You are speaking to my soul right now. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, so, and that's the first step, right? Like loving ourselves, valuing ourselves, all of that is super important to me. The second step of all this is educating our customers to understand our value, understand why our products are worth what they're worth. And I would imagine as a copywriter, you speak to that a lot. So what, you know, what advice do you have for our listeners that are, they're trying to communicate that value? They've, they've gone over all this, right? And they're, they've got their mindset right. And now they're educating their customers to understand why, not necessarily defending the value of their product, because, you know, we never want to do that, because that gives the impression that we think there's a reason someone might think it's wrong. But at the same time, when someone starts to question, let's say you're in a store like mine, and we say all prices are firm, and yet people think that they can handle with us because we're not a franchise. They think, oh, well, this is the kind of store where I can try to make a deal. And we're constantly having to reinforce the idea that 
these are not arbitrary numbers that we picked out of the sky. This is what this product is worth. I, and, I tell my customers, I say a few things. So this is so, slightly related. I say, don't do sales. Don't do discounts. Unless you just need to get rid of product, you're moving product out. Don't do a sale because that opens the door for customers to go, um, so if it can, can be worth this much, why isn't it worth that much all the time? Or they just wait for the sale to purchase. I have nothing against sales. I think it's fantastic for stores that are constantly updating their merchandise with the same product, like Bath and Body Works. There's a reason that their stuff is literally always on sale. It's because they primed their customers. They, people don't buy candles until the candles are on a discount. So they're always running some sort of candle discount. They're always running some sort of hand sanitizer discount because they have the same product that they're moving through all the time. As an artist, every single thing that you create, whether you are making tons and tons of soap or you're making one-of-a-kind paintings or furniture art or you're building things, it doesn't matter. If you're making it by hand, then you are putting a ton of effort into each product. It's not something that you can discount. Your time and effort and supplies are the same every time. And so don't discount your work. So that's my number one. Number two, instead of discounting, offer a value boost. So like I love to have free things that you can throw in that you're like, here you go, that make people feel like they're getting something for free when in reality, it's like you could have gotten it on my website if you signed up for my email anyway, but okay. Um, that's the kind of thing that I recommend. Like if somebody wants to haggle with you on price, I just say, I'm sorry, but I don't offer discounts on, you know, effort and time. There's no way for me to earn back that time. So there's no way for you to get a discount on it. And then you just throw in a bonus. So I've had that happen. I've recommended to some of my clients who work in brick and mortars to say like, okay, what's something that you can have? Like maybe you could do a tutorial and upload it for free, assign a QR code to the link, put it on your business card and say, hey, I'm so sorry, I can't give you a discount on that. But since you love that piece of furniture so much, if you have any chalk painted furniture at home, here's my free like chalk paint care, you know, tutorial that you can download. And then they can go home, they can scan the QR code, they can learn how to clean their chalk painted furniture, and they will have left with a positive experience with you without getting you know the price down on the chair. They're still having a positive experience. They're still getting something out of their interaction. They're not gonna leave bitter and grumpy. You may still have a customer. They may come back and say, you know what? That one interaction was worth it for me to come back here. And you never had to discount a single thing. So that's, that's always my goal for people is when you're looking at how you're laying out your offers and you're doing your prices, always reserve a few things that you can give your clients that really costs nothing to you, but could mean a lot to them. Um, I always recommend picking something that makes them a better customer. So in that case, if you are selling painted furniture in your shop, if that's what you sell, um, and somebody comes in and they are complaining because the buffet that they want is not going to be discounted, you can offer them that tutorial. They'll go home, they'll clean whatever furniture they already have, and then they'll come back and be happy. And you taught them how to take care of any few future furniture that they're purchasing from you. So that's that's always my recommendation is don't haggle. Don't let people pull that with you. Your time is not worth a discount because you can't get those hours back. So I wouldn't be charging less for it. Right. Absolutely. Do you have any tips? I know that I have things that I say sometimes, but I would love to hear your take on this. When someone does want to move some product, um, but they don't want to devalue their time and their energy what, what are your recommendations there? 
I always recommend a bundle. I love seeing things bundled. So rather than taking 20% off one thing, put a bunch of things together and, and offer a discounted bundle rate. They won't know the discount. They won't know how much you're selling it less for. You know what I mean? If it just needs to move, they don't know how much that one thing was individually, or maybe they do, but then you're still getting them to spend a bigger price point, right? So you, if you look at it, you could have one bar of soap that you're going to sell for $4 instead of five. Or you could sell a bundle of three soaps for $12 and there you go. Now they're spending 12 instead of four and they're still getting a discount and you're still moving more product. I think bundles are usually the way to go. I know it's harder for like bigger pieces of art, but even then I think it's, I mean, if you have stuff that you just need to clear out, then just say, this is clear out. Like these are old canvases. I'm raising my prices. So these are going for on sale because now my canvases cost this much. I always try to tie a discount in with like a price increase somewhere else so that people know like you're getting this on a deal right now. So you better scoop it up because if you come back next week, these pieces will be gone and every new piece will be worth 20% more. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. That's another thing is I think artists really struggle with raising their prices because they feel like they as a person hasn't changed enough to warrant like an increase. They're like, okay, well, I've been charging 300 for the, this size canvas for so long. Why would I suddenly charge 450? Well, girl, you've been charging 300 for five years. Like that now it's time to move up. But yeah, of course your work is worth more. You've had more practice. You've had more experience. You are have been doing it for so long that you could probably do it in your sleep and it's coming out beautiful. And on top of that, like the cost of living goes up. I think it's super important that people remember to raise their prices as often as they're discounting. Right. I mean, general inflation, that's just, that's just society, right? Everything got, got more expensive. A hundred percent. But so if you're talking to someone who has been doing something as a hobby forever, for example, you've got your your art, right? And you love your art and you keep most of it for yourself or you give it away to friends and family. You're not charging for it right now because it's a hobby for you. You enjoy it and it's it's what you fill your time with to feel creative. Let's say you wake up tomorrow and you decide I want to sell my art. I've got a lot of it and I want to sell my art. How do you recommend someone take that mind shift or that mind, that mindset shift from I've been doing this for fun. I've never charged for it to now I'm going to put a price on it. And if you put the right price on it, you're going to put a pretty decent price tag on it. So, you know, making that shift, making that change. Um, you, know, you know what I found is that we're really bad at doing things for ourselves as human beings. We're pretty like as selfish as some people are, most of us are really selfless. And so when we have to charge for ourselves, we're kind of like, oh, I'm not worth that much. Don't charge for yourself. Charge for other artists. If you show up with a product that's you're and you're charging a third or half or even 70% of what the market is charging, you are doing your fellow artists a disservice. You are devaluing their work because you're going to drive prices down. And we don't want that when it comes to art. As a community, I think it's so important that artists support artists because one, none of us are doing the same thing. Even if it looks the same, it's not the same thing. We are all completely unique and different. So there's never an oversaturated market of art. And two, it's a community that will always have your back. You can always collaborate with other artists. There's always a million amazing things that you can do together. So if you show up and you're devaluing the market, 
going to be bad for everybody. So if you can't do it for you, if you can't show up and charge what you're worth for you, do it for everybody else. Because we have worked so hard to get to a point where artists are starting to be able to charge what they're worth as creatives who aren't, you know, trying to be the next Picasso. And it's important that we maintain where we're at and improve it. I think we need to keep raising rates. So that's my suggestion. If you can't do it for you, do it for everybody else because they deserve it. I would. 100% agree with that. We uh, we have had that conversation around the shop before that it's like some people get in that mindset of, well, if I can sell mine for a little less, then I'll sell mine. And it's like, it's that's not necessarily what's happening here. What's happening is you're going to lower your prices to undersell someone else. But now the customer is questioning why any of it is worth what it's worth. Yep. And, and I just, I hate that. And I know nobody does it like I don't think anybody does it to be unkind to other people. I'm sure it's just their own ideas. But you have to look at the bigger picture that is we are all doing our own thing. And it's what we're doing is so important as a work to society, to other business owners, to people. If what we did didn't matter, then it wouldn't have lasted for so long. So it's really important to, if you're going to start selling, that you do it with the mindset that you are entering a field of business. You're not just a maker who's just making some money on the side. You are entering a field of business with a competitive market. There are people out there and you cannot discount an entire business market just because you feel like you're not good enough. You need to love yourself more so that you're not devaluing everyone else. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so right there with you. I love that. Um, so as we start to kind of shift down to, to wrap up the episode, what um, what is if there was one piece of advice that you had to give someone, especially a newer maker or artist, what would you what would you tell them? Charge more. <laughs> That's the first thing I always say. The second thing is this. Start thinking about your dream business, where you want to be at the end of your journey. I, you've heard me say this a million times, Danielle, but I'm going to say it again. At the end of your journey, when you're like, this is the pinnacle of my success. Imagine like the, you are at the height of your fame, whatever that is to you. What are you doing for your eight hours a day? What are you spending your time doing? Because if your business is not structured to get you there, then it's not going to happen. So Think about that big picture. Think about how you want to spend your life, spend the most of your time. If it's sipping martinis in a bar in New York or you're laying on the beach with your family or you're in a cabin out in the woods painting by yourself, it doesn't matter. Whatever that is for you, whether you're speaking on a TEDx stage or not, figure out how you can get there. Because if you don't have that big picture in mind, then your business is not going to grow in that direction. It's just going to kind of meander. So you need to know what it is you're growing towards so you can build those systems and structures into your business right now. Because I guarantee you, if you think about the person that you will be when you're living your best life and you start acting like that person right now, things are going to happen a lot faster. Yes. Yes. We say something very similar in Maker's Mill, but that probably the most valuable thing I've ever done. So when this airs, we'll be right in the middle of the artist way study in the makers community group for anyone who wants to participate in that. And probably one of the most powerful exercises I did in that book was think about, think about yourself in 50 years or, and you know, you could take it down depending on your age, but like 
you know, for me, like when I'm when I'm 70 years old, like what what do I want my life to look like then? And what am I going to be looking back on and be proud of? And and doing that exercise, I mean, just everything about the way I shape my days, the way I talk to people, the way I look at opportunities, it just it changes everything. And it's incredible to think that the first 35 years of my life, <laughs> you know, in that one exercise, just that one mindset thing about, OK, it's not about today. It's not about this week. It's about where I want to be at the end of this and what I want to be proud of, what I want, you know, the feeling that I want to leave people with when they look back on their time with me in whatever capacity that might be. And it just, it changes everything. It changes everything. I think the thing that was mind blowing for me is that there's no reason to wait those 50 years either. You can start living that way now. You can start feeling that way now. If your goal is to spend more time with your family and spend more time doing things that bring you joy, build that into your business and your day right now. Because if you don't, your business is going to grow and you're not going to have room for that anymore. So start doing the things that make you feel your best, whether that's your best as an artist or a parent or just a human being. Start doing more of that now. Find a way to build that into your day and your business right now because why should you have to wait? If you can feel that way right now, then do it. Of course you should. There's no rule that says you have to hustle and work hard every second of the day. Who wants that? I know we live in a culture that says that you do have to hustle all the time, but guess what? You don't. You really don't. Unless you want to be the next Elon Musk, which I mean, if you want to, that's fine. But unless that's you, you deserve to feel joy. You deserve to take breaks. You deserve to rest and enjoy the rewards of the life and business that you're building and creating because that's the whole point. Exactly. Exactly. Cami, thank you so much. This has been so great. I cannot wait for everyone to hear this episode and hopefully take away some really, really powerful things that have meant, I know a lot to you and I and growing our businesses. So I, I can't wait to see what people do with that. To send us off just for fun. I've got some rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Okay. What are you reading right now? Um, that's a great question. Let me grab it. Lady in the Lake by Lauren Lip Laura Lipman. My bad. Um, it's kind of like a mystery. It's set in 1966. It's pretty good. I'm only about, let me find my bookmark. There it is on page 101. Okay. I'll have to check that one out. Lady in the Lake. I'm writing that down. Lady. Okay. All right. And are you watching anything on TV right now? Yes. I'm rewatching Buffy. Nice. Nice. That's fun. So is that a favorite? I have actually, I haven't seen it since I was in high school. I genuinely don't remember much of it. Um, actually, not even high school. I think I was in middle school when I was watching it. So I saw it on Hulu and was like, yep, let's do it. Let's do it. Fun. What podcast do you listen to? Um, obviously, I listen to Paint Talks by my friend Dion Woods. Um, and I love Office Ladies. I'm a huge fan of The Office. Um, I'm a big like comedy writer nerd. So I love listening to like the behind the scenes stories. Um, I listen to Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard. Um, I love the mix of like celebrities and literal experts who are like experts on epidemiology and history and all that good stuff. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, you guys. <laughs> Me too. Hence, I wanted to do one. <laughs> I love podcasts. They're so much fun. 
What was the last thing you ate? Oh, um, I forget to eat sometimes, guys. So I think I remember eating, I think I had a peanut butter and honey toast last night before bed. All right. And what will you be doing as soon as we finish recording? Um, I will be going to apologize to my children who have been very quietly slipping notes under the door this whole time. And I've been ignoring them. <laughs> okay. And finally, last thing. So you can go get those notes. Um, where would you go tomorrow if time, money, resources were of zero consequence? Um, there's two options. I would either go to a haunted house in like Maine, like think Stephen King or Ireland. Both very, very viable options. Are you a big, so you're reading a murder mystery and you're talking about going to like a haunted type area. So are you big into like scary, spooky kind of stuff? I love ghost stories. I don't actually even believe okay. in ghosts and I don't like true crime because I'm a wimp, but I love the idea of a haunted house. I love old architecture. I love all the stories that old businesses have or old buildings have. So if there's a ghost who could tell me those stories, it's like a win-win for me really. Yeah. That would be super fun. So what were the books, man, when we were younger? Do you remember they had all the scary stories Goosebumps? and they had really creep? What's that? No, Goosebumps. not well, Goosebumps too, but no, it was a. Uh, oh, scary stories to tell in the dark. Yes. I've read all of those books. Yes. That's it. That's it. They oh, have the really I, creepy drawings. Yep. Yes. I, if it was a horror novel written for children in the eighties through the early two thousands, I for sure read it. I, Honestly, if you guys have a chance, I'm a huge nerd. I love, I've always been a book person. So I've been reading my whole life. Um, but I have an older sister who's 15 years older than me. So I was passed down all of her like cheesy 80s, 70s and 80s paperbacks. Um, and there's this fantastic nonfiction book called Paperback Crush for anybody who loves those old paperbacks <laughs> that are like, you know, the really old school, like Sweet Valley High and like yes. all of those. It's so good. I highly recommend it. That is fun. I'm going to check that out because, yeah, I read all those, too. I went through all the series. I love a series. I love a good series. I am drawn to getting invested in some characters and hanging out with them for years. Um, I found out one of my favorite book series is going to be made into a show, and I am pumped. Yay. Which one is it? A uh, Court of Thorns and Roses. It's about fairies. <laughs> I'm That's not fun, fairies. though. Great literature. It's about it's about fairies. It's fun. The romance. Love it. It's going to be a show. Awesome. Awesome. Kami, thank you so much. Um, guys, I really appreciate Kami being here today and sharing with us. Thank you. Thank My you. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. That's all for today's episode. Thank you for joining us. Remember to check out the Makers Chat community so you can dive deeper into the conversation. You'll find the link to join in our show notes. Have a beautiful week and we will chat again soon.